morning. Welcome to New Church Online. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. No major updates from me regarding a return to our building. Still in conversation and awaiting protocols from those who we lease from regarding our campus. So thank you for your patience there. We'll let you know as soon as we can. Uh, start a couple smaller gatherings, backyard gatherings. So those are starting to happen. Uh, stay tuned for more of those. They have proven to be a lot of fun because it actually is really good to be together. We launched New Kids Online today with a lesson on how we see those different than us, which was a great call by our children's ministry team. So as I was thinking about it, and it's kind of interesting, we don't talk about racism in the church hardly, if ever. And you wonder, why don't we do that? It is such a relevant, important issue. And I think it's because we live in the lie that it's not there, that it's not here. Because racism has no part in the church and it should have no part in the Christian life which I believe, but neither does infidelity, pornography, addiction, greed, envy, etc. And yet we recognize these areas of brokenness, we apply grace, and we ask for healing. Racism makes us uncomfortable because I think, I think we think we already know everything and that we aren't part of it. And a humble reminder to us that we may have room to grow. You may have room to grow. I know I have room to grow. My dad was an anti-racist long before I ever heard that term. In fact, I grew up spending summers doing these Stop the Hate basketball outreaches in the inner cities of Philadelphia and New York. And these were efforts of reconciliation and love in very divided neighborhoods. Now, some of my dearest friends were black, and, and they still are to this day. And so for years, I felt like I'm not a racist at all. So it's not my problem. And I would never have said it that way but that's kind of how I lived. Sure, I was sad when something would come across the news and, and maybe talk about it for a couple days, but then move on. I didn't even think about it. And I'm ashamed of that because that's at the core of injustice, that it doesn't involve me. There are a hundred excuses why we as individuals or churches or businesses wouldn't use our voices and influence to get involved. We say things like, well, it's complicated and political and the media does this and the Democrats do that and the Republicans always. Then there's gay rights and there's right to life and I don't want to offend anyone. I think I watched on Facebook. And we throw all this stuff at it. But you only need one motivation toward it. And that's love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You don't have to agree with everything to stand up for something. You don't have to agree with everything to stand up for something, to stand up for someone. And so we're going to keep at it and hopefully move the needle a little bit on this thing and leave a better world for the next generation. There's this old joke about the Jewish telegram. It says this, start worrying details to follow. And it feels a little bit like life right now because it wasn't long ago. The world was mourning the loss of Kobe Bryant. I was mourning the loss of Kobe Bryant. And now here we are navigating a pandemic and, and racial protests. And I'm grateful for the conversations that are happening. I also kind of miss just telling funny stories about my dog and teaching the Bible. Last week, we opened the book of James. Uh, James, written by the half-brother of Jesus, who for years thought his brother was crazy. He thought Jesus was crazy before he turned into eventually one of the strongest leaders in the new, new church. He's writing to this church of Jerusalem that was scattered due to persecution. And he opens up this letter with an encouragement surrounding trials. When you face trials of many kinds, he writes, 
Consider it all joy, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He doesn't say we have to be happy or even joyful about the trial, but if we lean into God, He will build our character and our faith through the experience. Like the events may not be joyous, but the outcomes can be. The events around the trial, they may not be joyous. Those may be really just hard things, but the outcome can be reason for celebration because it builds our faith. And when it comes to trials and hardships in our lives, God will always be more interested in your character than your comfort. He will always be more interested in your character than your comfort. If you're looking for a God that just spoils you with everything, gives you everything you want, makes your life easy, He is not that guy. He wants to restore our God-bearing image of humanity. And that takes some intentional shaping. For those who are parents, uh, none of us want to raise spoiled kids. We create guidelines and disciplines. And our kids don't always like it, but it's part of forming them as good humans. So James gives this opener on considering it all joy when trials of many kinds come our way. And now he expands some ways to do that well and some things that will rob us of that perspective. So he says, consider it joy. It's a mindset. Consider it joy. And this is verse 4. Let perseverance do its work. Consider it joy. Let perseverance do its work. Let God take you through the struggle. Let it work. Trust the process. Trust the process. During this time at home, uh, like many of you, I'm sure, I took the opportunity to work on a couple things around the house. And one of those was refinishing our kitchen cabinets. And if you've been to the house, uh, you've seen they're they're dark brown uh, cabinets and drawers and doors. And I don't know how many pieces, 20 or 30 or 40 pieces. But refinishing them was a big job. and And it took a Uh, quite a bit of work and time in a process, right? There's stripping and sanding and there's painting and uh, there's another coat and putting them back on and this whole thing. And it was admittedly disruptive in the kitchen. And so Amy and the kids like, hey, can we move this thing along? Can we go a little faster? Can you hurry up and get that next coat on now? And it's kind of hard with a project like that if you've worked on it. You can kind of speed things along, but it, it affects the end product. It affects the finished product. So if you want it done well or done right, you kind of have to take your time through each step. And so it is with God's process. Take your time through each step to understand what's happening. Get the most out of each season, out of each trial. You let it work. You let God work. You let perseverance do its work. You know those electric toothbrushes, whether it's Quip or Sonicare? We have some of those around the house, and I use one. And and the whole thing with those is you kind of let the toothbrush do the work, right? You're not supposed to get all crazy and brush around. You kind of let it sit on an area and and do its work. Now, there's a person in our house who who has one of these toothbrushes, but it's also one of the most aggressive toothbrushes I've ever seen. Like, it is wild. The hands and the head, it's just this, this huge scene. And I've offered a few times, like, hey, stop shaking around so much. Let the toothbrush do its work. Slow down. Take the two minutes. And this person, as you can imagine, I, I, I'm not going to mention any names, doesn't like it when I criticize how they brush their teeth. And they're probably going to make me sleep on the couch tonight for bringing it up. But James is, is offering this advice. Let it work. Let it do its work. Let God's timing do its work. Let perseverance do its work. 
He goes on to say, if any of you lacks wisdom, verse 5, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. You need wisdom to see and receive the trial well. He sets up, there's going to be trials. And you need wisdom to see and receive these trials well. Because how we respond to trials is part of how we worship God. How we respond to trials is part of how we worship God. It's part of how we interact with God. It's how we deal with the life that's happening around us. And these trials are going to reveal your relationship. They reveal our interpersonal relationships and they reveal our relationship with God. Because it gets real under pressure. Trials reveal relationship. Right? And how we respond is part of how we relate to God. And so we need wisdom. Wisdom helps us see and receive the trial well. Wisdom leads us to respond in a way that both benefits us and glorifies God. We need wisdom to help us respond well in a way that benefits both us and glorifies God. And James is writing here, if you need wisdom, if you need help getting through this right now, ask God. God says, ask me. Ask me, I will give it to you. We bear the image of God. And in that image are many of God's attributes. Now, some of God's attributes are, are specific to God. They are just God's. But we bear many others. And the ones we bear are called communicable attributes. The communicable attributes of God. And wisdom is one of those. God is wise. God is wisdom. And he's given that to us. He's given us the ability to exercise wisdom. And if you feel short on it, he will give you more of it. He said, ask me. We are rational. We are rational, but we make irrational decisions. We're rational, but we make irrational decisions. Let's all say it together. I am rational, but I make irrational decisions. I am rational, but I make irrational decisions. Right? Why did you do that? I don't know. I don't know why I did that. If you look back at the situation, I don't know. A few weeks ago, we were hanging out with the family. I think we were watching TV or playing music. And I had a you know, pretty good beard going on at the time. And Cash says, hey, you should shave everything down just to a mustache. And I'm like, okay. You know, I go upstairs, shave everything down, just have this mustache, looking like a you know, 70s cop. And Amy's like, why did you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I thought it would be fun in the moment, right? This is my kryptonite. But these things come our way. Like, what are you going to do? I don't know. Ask God. We need God each day, every decision. When a situation arises that may be a little bit difficult, don't simply ask how you can get out of it. Ask for the wisdom to know what to do through it. What we usually do instead of ask for wisdom is we invite worry. Instead of asking for wisdom, we invite worry. When the winds blow our way, we forget about God and we get lost in our own minds. We fill our minds with worry when we should be seeking wisdom. And it can be intimidating to ask God for wisdom or anything if you're not comfortable talking to God. But we all come from the same place. When it comes to approaching God, we all come from the same place. And you might say, well, who am I to ask God? Who are you to not? Who are you to not ask God? All right, if there is a God... And he's saying, hey, ask me if you need help. Who are you to not ask him? 
And we all have these kind of dynamics with people and it's family or friends or someone says, hey, just let me know if you need help. Just ask me, I'm happy to help. And you feel bad, like, well, I've already asked for help. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to bother them. Don't want to be a burden. God is not that guy. He's like, ask me again. Keep asking me. You are not going to burden me. You will not burn me out. Ask me for wisdom. You need wisdom. Trials plus wisdom bring us closer to God. Trials just on their own may not. They may just kind of crush you and burn you out. But trials plus wisdom, they will bring you closer to God. And wisdom leads us to perseverance, and perseverance moves us forward. Perseverance moves us forward. Now, he goes on to talk about some stuff that's going to move us backwards. James says the one who is blown around is double-minded, shouldn't expect anything from God. And this is just doubt. Right? This is lack of an anchor. In the midst of the storm, flooded by doubt, lacking conviction, no stable ground. Just coming and going emotionally and spiritually each day, depending on what's on the news or Instagram or whatever insecurity you have because you think everyone else's life is better. Just getting blown around. For the waves of the sea, there's no fighting the wind. There's no struggle. There's no perseverance. They just come and go with, with, with the wind. And if you don't want to be that person, make some changes. God is all about it. If you want something better, you have to choose something better. If you want something better, you have to choose something better. I believe the things of God are better. I mean, I still have my doubts. I still catch myself out there getting blown around. But as I walk through each situation, I keep finding that God is still faithful. I keep finding the faithfulness of God. So stop letting everything blow you around. Right? God is an anchor. Not because anchors stop storms, but they keep you on course while you're in them. Remember, hang on to God. James goes on, he talks about comparison regarding wealth. He's talking about those who have and those who have not. And comparison will always send you backwards. Comparison will always send you backwards. And James cautions them. None of it goes with you and everything good comes from God. None of it goes with you and everything good comes from God. Sometimes when things are going well in our life, we kind of relax into the idea that, oh, that was me. I'm putting in the hard work. I'm persevering. I'm struggling. This is all me. And things go wrong in our life. Like, why is God doing this to me? James is like, relax. Everything good comes from God. Hold on to those riches loosely. Now, the rich are not talked about kindly in the Bible. And I have nothing against money. I wish I had more of it. But more money, more problems. And James is cautioning. like, you don't invest in the things of the world. Don't envy the things of the world. They're going to disappear. If you have a lot, stay humble. If you don't have a lot, be grateful for where you are. He goes on in 13 through 18 talking about temptations. And he says that God tests, but God doesn't tempt. And the word for tempt here would be like the word they would use for, for trapping an animal. It's kind of a trick way to trick an animal or, or, or bait, a lore that would trick a fish. And he says God doesn't do that. He may bring you through some stuff, but he is not about tricking you or trapping you. And temptations are always these short-lived gratifications. Generally, when we're tempted by something and if we give in, we usually don't feel good afterwards. You think, ah, I shouldn't have done that. It would be better if I waited. Like temptation is filling up on junk. And God's gifts are better. And we're inundated with temptations every day to look, spend, judge, fear. 
And dealing with temptations, the stuff that's around us, like you're always gonna catch what you're close to. So we put ourselves in situations that it's around us. You're feeling tempted because what's around you? And maybe it's just the thought at first, but then it goes into something else. And, and before you catch a feeling, you catch a thought. Right? Before you catch a feeling, you catch a thought. And this could even happen just going through your feed on Facebook or Instagram. Like you don't feel sick while you're doing it. You're just looking at everybody's stuff. And when you're done, it can hit you. You're up in everybody else's life but your own. You're, you're, you're judging and, and, and fighting and, and posting arguments. Like social media, it, it leads more toward depression than joy. That, that's not a religious standpoint. That's just what they're saying. You consume it and you don't even know until you're done. You know when you go to those awesome like Mexican restaurants with really good chips and salsa on the table when you get there and they're just free refills, they just keep coming? Like how do you stop eating that? And you don't feel sick while you're eating it. You will just keep crushing bowls and they keep disappearing. And they keep saying, you want one more? And you're like, oh, no, no. Like, and then somebody's like, well, yes, just get one more. Let's just get one more. Like, you just can't stop. I mean, this is somehow t- temptation works in your life. It's just going to kind of keep presenting itself. And sometimes you may not even know what you're doing until at the end of it, you're like, man, I, I wish I didn't eat that much. When the real food shows up, you're like, gosh, I ate so many chips. He says, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows, who chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. God has given us life to be fruit and bear fruit. And fruit comes from the root. It comes from deep down. It comes from deep down. True faith produces real fruit. True faith produces real fruit. Now, for many of us, we're living in this kind of game of, of, of fake fruit, right? Like, I love fruit. I love a, a good apple. And this looks pretty good. But it's fake. It's artificial. It looks nice on the outside. But this, this fruit cannot reproduce. This fruit is not nourishing. This fruit is not going to bless anybody. God is looking for real fruit, true fruit that comes from the root. And so he is running us through a process of perseverance and work and love to shape us to who he wants us to be. I want to encourage us, for those who are walking with Jesus, it's about progress, not perfection. Jesus is taking care of the perfection. He is going to handle you being blameless before the Father. For here, as we walk out our humanity, it's about progress. So I want to pray for us and invite God into our trials and into your trials, and that we may come out on the other side closer to Jesus because of it. So God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your story. We thank you for this season, God, even though it's hard and confusing, and it can cause us doubt and fear. We stand against those things. I pray for that person right now who just feels like they're getting blown around by the winds. They are just getting battered by media and social media and maybe friends or family. There are doubts and fears and insecurities and uncertainty. I pray against those things in Jesus' name. I pray for hope and healing and restoration. And Lord, we invite you into the greater situations of our land that you would use us as the church to be an expression of love to all people. Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, thanks for hanging out. Don't forget your kids. Peace.